0: Hey everybody and welcome back to the next episode of the Sweaty Palms Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Dillon, and today we have two very special guests on the show, Valina Vigo and Johnny Rosas. If you listen to my other episodes, you know that I'm an intern for Valina at the 40 Watt. Valina is the vice president of third-party programming for Live Nation and the talent buyer for both the 40 Watt Club here in Athens and the Buckhead Theater in Atlanta. And Johnny is the national manager of third-party programming at Live Nation. I just wanted to thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast and being here. I'm really honored to have both you guys, and I'm really excited to see where this episode takes us so thank you so much for coming on yeah no problem just wanted you guys to see the scene of what's going on right now because i don't film yet but gypsy is currently sitting in johnny's lap with a blanket over her and it's really cute she's
1: laying right on top of me
0: (laughs) and gypsy is of lena and uh, david's dog
1: and she's about 80 pounds so she's not (laughs) she's not a small girl
0: (laughs) no not (laughs) at all she's a big lady (laughs) So I'd love to ask you, Johnny, if you could give a little bit of background on why you decided to work in the music industry and kind of your progression through it from where you started to where you are now. I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday Mm -hmm. in the car, but for anybody else who wasn't in that car, it would be nice to to talk about. And then after that, I'd love to talk about how y'all met too and the story of that. Okay.
1: Okay. My intro to music was with my cousins showing me music when I was much younger and then learning guitar. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for about, gosh, I think it's like 14, 15 years now. After that, I kind of knew I wanted to be in the music industry, or I knew I wanted to be in the music industry, just to know at what capacity. Mm-hmm. Going to college, I decided to join the music industry studies program. Did that, and I think in my sophomore year, I did my internship with Live Nation. I was about 20 years old at that time. I was in the main Live Nation headquarters. I was off Hollywood and Highland in LA. And so I was on the floor with a lot of the big talent buyers, A lot of the presidents oversaw the venues, a lot of big name people in the industry or in Live Nation. I was the intern for one of the talent buyers there. Being an intern, I was just editing contracts, getting data. just like daily task stuff. I actually really enjoyed listening to people talk about booking shows and what it took and, you know, all the hard work that went into it. After doing that, I kind of knew I wanted to book shows. So to keep inside the industry, I worked at House of Blues Anaheim, which was still under Live Nation's umbrella at that time. I was at House of Blues Anaheim. I was a box office ticket seller, and I also worked at the House of Blues restaurant. So I was a ticket seller there for about three and a half years. Live Nation closed down House of Blues Anaheim to move it from the downtown Disney location into a different location. Once it closed down for about six months, I want to say, I took a job at Segerstrom Center for the Arts, mm-hmm. which is this nonprofit theater out in Orange County. It was not the same thing. The music industry is much different than a nonprofit running, you know, quote unquote, a venue. It's very, very different. Being there, doing a lot of Broadway, a lot of classical music, it's a very much different clientele than, a, you know, a rock concert. It was mm-hmm. just a totally different vibe. So, got out of there. I applied for the Fox Theater in Riverside. Didn't hear anything back for about two months. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to get this job. But luckily, when I was in the middle of going to EDC, which is this huge, EDM festival in Las Vegas. I get a call from some random number in Riverside, and so I don't usually answer numbers I don't uh, know. For whatever reason, I answered it, and it was the assistant general manager of the Fox Theater. We did a small interview. I was getting ready to go to this festival, and he was like, okay, I want to do a second interview. Come to the Fox, like, in a week. Funny enough, this assistant general manager is now the general manager of the Aztec in San Antonio. So we still talk, and I still work with him. But anyways, got the job there. I was just a ticket seller again. But the general manager and I started talking when I was there. He was also a Cal Poly alumni. And so we we're talking about what I wanted to do, you know, my college experience. At a point, he lost his executive assistant. And so he told me he wanted to hire me. Our interview was us going down to what's called the Festival of Lights. It's during December in Riverside. It's this gigantic festival with Christmas lights everywhere, all sorts of desserts. So our interview was walking around the Festival of Lights. He bought me a churro. He told me what the job <laughs> was. And he was like, great, you have the job. And so to be honest, I haven't interviewed for a job Mm -hmm. in years, which is a beautiful thing. But he handed me this job Mm -hmm. and going from just selling tickets to working with venue managers, that was a huge jump. I knew how to sell tickets, but I didn't know how to talk the talk, you know, with different managers and their daily tasks and understand what they do. The learning curve was gigantic. I didn't understand anything. It was really hard for almost three years. I was getting reamed about a lot of things. I didn't understand when you're jumping into it and people need help, they're wanting help with people that understand how to do the job. And I was not that. It took a long time, two to three years is a long time to learn everything, but it was a lot. I had to learn production and marketing and booking and the daily tasks of the general manager, and it was a city owned venue. So there's city politics involved. Did that for three years, became the general manager assistant after our general manager left. But then there was a lot of reliance on me when we didn't have a general manager. And so I was doing stuff that the general manager used to do. I was helping on the marketing side. I was creating events. I was doing Creative Content Filler before it was a division in Live Nation. So we were creating events, doing little like DJ parties. I was doing what we call co-pros. I was doing co-promoted shows with different promoters, radio stations, and then I was doing the rentals, renting out the venue to different promoters. We would talk about their marketing plan, the artists, what we thought their ticket sales would look like. And that's how I kind of got into the rental game, renting out venues and, you know, tasks that come with that. It sounds easy to just rent out a venue, charge somebody and let them have the venue, but it's not that simple, which I think a lot of people don't understand. So that's how I got into kind of booking shows, go back from, you know, my internship of wanting to book shows to now doing it. It was smaller than like the national tours that Live Nation does, but it's still in the same realm. So I was dealing with agents, doing contracts, you know, tracking ticketing, going over marketing plans with the marketers. And that's how I kind of got my feet wet with booking. And I did that right when I started as the executive assistant, I think like three months in. The general manager gave me a little bit of leash but he was always overseeing but once that general manager left after three years it was all me and so then i just got drenched in it Mm -hmm. and so i was responsible for a lot i had a budget i was doing creative content i was filling in dates when the talent buyers weren't doing it because they were just so overwhelmed then i kind of got used to talking the talk with the marketing team and kind of learned a lot more about the business and talking to our own talent buyers too was really helpful in expanding my knowledge on what they do on their end because of course i was doing the small stuff but they're dealing with the big agents that kind of helped me to learning their end, the marketing end, and all the different departments. I wanted to just do booking, but getting my feet wet with everything else gave me a much larger amount of knowledge. And so now I can talk to each venue at this point and speak the same language, understand what they're saying, which I think is really important. When I got the job that I have now, which I guess I can jump into the story of how Valina and I met. Valina got her job as being the VP of third-party programming in September, 2021. She was doing stuff nationally already. And I took care of the Riverside market for rentals or for third-party programming. I wanted to reach out to my general manager at the time, said just wait. We'll talk to her later once she's more settled in. October, she had something for Riverside. My general manager, you know, was kind of protective of me and our business in Riverside. He, in an email chain, was just like, hey, Johnny takes care of third-party programming out here. Just let everybody know. Just send everything for Riverside his way. Valina sent an email back and just said, hey, Johnny, we should talk. Why don't you give me a call? I think we talked for probably about 45 minutes. And she was like, I wanna hire you. I'm gonna call you back. and was like, great, you're gonna get this job. Just keep doing what you're doing. Let's talk more. And it just happened really quick. I think we started in October, started doing it nationally and helping her by November, Mm -hmm. and then had my offer letter by December. It sounds like a long time, but I was doing the job right from the get-go now doing it nationally and working with valina in like 130 venues it's a lot of volume for sure but it's not too different from what i was doing it's just a lot of different states and people and learning people's names and the different politics in each state and mm-hmm. what's loud and what's not it's been fun it's a good experience it's learning everything and I'm, I'm still learning along the way and i think in this industry that's what you have to do you just have to learn as many different things as you possibly can to make you a well-rounded manager and leader in the company so essentially that's how i got my start it definitely was not easy I can definitely say it was not fun in the beginning because I was learning and, you know, I was getting in trouble, but I was learning. I was learning, you know, I was, I was in a market where I could learn. You know, I wasn't in L.A. where it's just high volume all the time. And I feel like in some of those venues, it might be a little bit more cutthroat than Riverside. But my general manager was a very good mentor. He taught me a lot. The new general manager saw that I was really trying. And so he told me from the very get go you can mess up as many times as you want mm-hmm. and you you will get it, but I want you to grow here and that at some point, you know, you can get to a point where you are a manager. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me a lot of leash and, and allowed me to do a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do in a different venue. That's how I got my start. I definitely will say it took a long time. I did not become a manager for eight, nine years, so yeah. it, it was not quick, but it was definitely worth the time of just waiting it out and trying until I got to that point. Mm-hmm. Just perseverance for sure. So that's... My long story about how I got to where I'm at now.
2: I was just going to say about Johnny, it's just kind of kismet when his general manager did say, we have someone that does ticketed rentals. And I did exactly say, well, I would love to talk to him because I was very new to this. And even though my boss told me that I could hire when I was hired at Live Nation to do this new division, Mm -hmm. I did say, I absolutely have to have somebody to work with me because Mm -hmm. I'm a good seller. I'm a good people person, but I'm not very good at the admin stuff, Mm -hmm. which I didn't even realize how great Johnny was and how he's taught Rome and taught these things. So to him, it's Mm -hmm. like second nature. And the beautiful thing about Johnny was when we did have that 45-minute conversation, just talking about everything, it just felt really natural. There was two things about it, and I don't want to get choked up about it, but it was just like when he told me that he had been working for the company for eight or nine years and had started with box office and done so many things up to it, You know, it just, it made me feel so good that I could hire him because he was within the company. Because I could have hired inside, outside. It didn't matter. Carl didn't care. But for me to take someone, give them a full-time position and put him where he should be, which is a national position as a manager and what he does, because it's incredible. I will say that the one thing that Carl, my boss, said was... He has a stellar reputation that Mm -hmm. every time people talk about Johnny. So people were talking about Johnny before I even mentioned Johnny's name. So that's a wonderful thing that all of his GMs and all the people that work with him was saying like, there's a a real rock star out here that can do all this kind of stuff. I think about this job. I've only had it for seven months. And like he said, he started working with me the minute that I said I was going to hire him Mm -hmm. because it took a minute, even though he was working for Live Nation to get him under my umbrella. And he never said, well, call me in two months when I am <laughs> right. when I get my first paycheck. That's what's so wonderful about Johnny was he trusted me. He trusted to know that, you know, you are going to work with me. It's going to be us, you know. And mm-hmm. this is so neat that this is our first time in six months that we've even ever been in the same room together. Right. Even though we talk to each other five, seven, eight times a day, (laughs) constantly, and we're constantly on every Zoom call together. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we felt comfortable, and even when you brought him yesterday here, we automatically, there's a comfort feels like we've known each other forever yeah so that's kind of the wonderful thing about this was I was a little nervous about having a division of my own but then once I had us together and I say we're team because we are a team and everyone knows that it's pretty amazing because we Mm -hmm. work for a big company I just feel like wow out of the hundreds of people Mm -hmm. that I could have met it's unbelievable that we met each other
0: if y'all could go into more detail about what third-party programming is for people who may not know and just yeah talk about that and then talk about how y'all's roles differ and how you help each other
2: it is interesting because when you Mm -hmm. do say third party a lot of people don't know what that is live nation is the largest concert company in the world live nation presents so a lot of people know who live nation is or Mm -hmm. Ticketmaster is we have talent buyers at Live Nation mm-hmm. that book all the talent, book all the shows, Billie Eilish to to whoever, Drake, just any concert that you see. And then, of course, they do the smaller clubs and theaters as well and the big shows. But what Johnny and I do, we work with outside promoters that have nothing to do with Live Nation. A lot of them are Latin promoters, K-pop. Um, You know, a lot of international things, Mm -hmm. you know, reggae, all kinds of stuff. And not just that. Sometimes it can be rap. Sometimes it can be, you know, children. It can be the nutcracker. It can Mm -hmm. be all kinds of programming. So that's why they say third-party programming is because they will contact us. We don't contact them. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, hey, I'm interested in doing a show at Riverside where he works or Coca-Cola Roxy where I work. Mm -hmm. And we have to negotiate the rental deal Mm -hmm. plus the production. And then we're the ones to make sure that the tickets go on sale. And like we were talking about, you know, the marketing strategies. So between us separately in 2019, he did about a million dollars in his world. Mm -hmm. I did about a million dollars in my world. Mm -hmm. And so we're the perfect match, right? Uh He's West Coast. I'm Southeast. And so with that being said, now that we both do this together, he has Texas and California. Mm -hmm. And then I definitely do Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then we just kind of split what we're doing sometimes if it's anything to do with california and California's big mm-hmm. and so is texas so he has a lot of responsibility with all mm-hmm. those cities and all those venues but if we do something in between or if we have a k-pop show that i worked with because there's a company that i worked with a couple years ago that did really well We're combining forces and working on that together. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much do anything that's across the country we work together on. That's why Johnny's here is because on Sunday we have a a sold-out show at the Warner Theater in D.C., and Mm -hmm. then we go to Miami for another sold-out show. That's why I'm saying we join forces because we want to introduce both of us to those promoters, Mm -hmm. you know, showing them that it's a team effort. We're curating these venues for the right outside promoter we don't mm-hmm. let just any outside promoter come in just because they have a little bit of money mm-hmm. and maybe have a show to do mm-hmm. because if they're not qualified or professional they don't need to be coming into a nice club or theater mm-hmm. and running our reputation because as we know patrons don't know who is presenting the show right they just know they want to see a show at whatever venue mm-hmm. and so we're kind of the gatekeepers when it comes to outside promoters we've been Telling all the GMs and the buyers and the presidents, we know how much responsibility we have on this. Mm -hmm. And we take it very, very seriously. And that's what I really appreciate with Johnny is that he's a serious person and he's a respectable person. And he doesn't want to put in something that we shouldn't be putting in and vice versa.
0: So what are the qualifications you mentioned you won't just book any promote or you won't just answer any promoter what are the qualifications that you look for that will make you decide this is yes is the show that we'll accept to put on or, or we want to want to do
1: I guess it's a few things one is obviously the artist there's going to be certain artists that we can and can't do those artists also have to fit the room another thing for the promoter it depends also on how experienced they are we get hit up by a lot of different people that sometimes they just have money Mm -hmm. And they wanted to try and throw a show. We want to make sure we put good things to these rooms that are going to make, you know, the promoter money, the venue money. Mm -hmm. And it's just a good night. Mm -hmm. So we want professional people coming to the room that are doing this for the right reason, not just to hang out with their friends or because they have the money. We want them to bring in good acts. So one thing is the artists, like Valina said, we're trying to curate it towards the venue. The second thing, too, is the promoter is professional and they have history of doing shows and this isn't their first rodeo and i guess another important thing too is just that as long as they have history and we can always check that history too especially if they've been in live nation venues is that they can pay their bill we don't want them to you know throw a show and they can't pay out the artists and they can't pay out us so we, we just are trying to be careful when it comes to renting out the venue like i said the promoter being professional and seasoned well seasoned is a huge thing so i guess that would be my answer to that question is just you know well-rounded promoters the artists the money past history we're just checking out those things. Of course, we're trying to get their ticketing information and get it up on sale in an appropriate amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then we also talk to them about their marketing plan and what we can do to assist them. Of course, you know, when they're renting out the venue, it's their responsibility to market in. They're responsible for the success of the show. But we also want to help them as much as we can with the success. So we give advice. We suggest things. If, if we can do anything on our end, we will. For example, in Riverside I have a relationship with the radio station, so I'll connect them with the radio marketing managers or whoever from the radio station to give them the uh, boost that they need. And in doing it nationally, I might ask the buyer or the the general manager on what we can do to help, because they're gonna know that market better than I am. So we always wanna help the promoter in any way we can on the success of their event once it goes up and we have our deposit, but it just looks really good on both ends when, when the show's a success. The venue makes money, they make money. The artist is happy with a filled up room and they want to come back. And so at the same time, we're, we're cultivating a relationship with those promoters that'll help their rep when they go into other rooms. And so then once they have a good rep with us doing maybe one or two rooms and we can prove that they do really well, then they can start doing more rooms with Live Nation or even if they go into a different room, you know, I get asked a lot by different, venues and different companies on how the show did with live nation mm-hmm. and of course i'm always honest If it's a good show it's a good show if it's not it's not but we have to be honest yeah numbers don't, <laughs> yeah, numbers don't lie but i guess to circle back to your question the three things again is the promoter is well seasoned the artist fits the venue and you know they have they have the the money to pay for that room and that artist
0: I remember y'all mentioning politics and how y'all deal with like a really high volume and how Johnny's based out of California. Delina, you're out of the, the Southeast. How do you think it's helps y'all that you guys are on two different sides of, of the United States? And do you think that's helped with understanding the politics in each state that you're working in? And how do you think that's helped in a, and affected y'all's work ethic and how you work together? Yeah, I think? I,
2: think, I think it's helped quite a bit because Johnny just knows so many of the gms and operations managers and even Mm -hmm. box office and marketing out west right and then i know a few on this side so we could both touch base with each other and go do you know this person do you know this person Mm -hmm. or sometimes you know he'll email somebody and they don't get back to him and he goes do you mind just checking back in with this person and seeing what we can do with this and so with working with two people it's kind of a double whammy instead of one of us just being by ourselves kind of out in the dark we've got this force I know now because he's here and he's going to be here with me for 10 days and we're going to be traveling. We want to see a lot of venues that we have never been to and we want to meet some of these people that we've been working with for the last six months. But I definitely see this next year, we'll definitely see each other more because it is just only two of us working this whole country that we'll definitely do more together. I do think it's an asset that he's West Coast and I'm East Coast for sure.
0: I'd love to talk more about where y'all will be traveling, where you're going, which specific venues you're going to, what sold-out shows, all that kind of stuff, if you'd like to go into that.
2: Yeah, so what we thought is we've got a K-pop promoter who I had my largest CM with in 2019 Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, and she's just a joy to work with. She's just super cool, and she's just a tastemaker when it comes to Mm K-pop when she came to us talking about doing a show with this particular artist even our box office people and GMs when they went on sale and they sold out within an hour were writing to us congratulations because no one knows kind of that genre right Mm -hmm. I mean some do like my real good friend her daughter Mm -hmm. when I said I had that she almost started crying because (gasps) it's not in Atlanta and she's just like oh please bring them to Atlanta it's one of my favorite bands right so that's that's what's so exciting so when we did sell out so quickly and it is such a good company to work with I just asked Johnny hey, wouldn't that be great if you could meet me in Atlanta and then let's pick two venues that we would like to see first and then two that we could travel to. And Mm -hmm. so we just picked D.C. and Miami. This is something that's going to help us in the Mm -hmm. long run Because the Warner Theater in D.C. is very prestigious and has a lot of rentals. Johnny's had a relationship with the GM, and I would like to meet her. And then, so funny, the production manager sound department Mm -hmm. used to be the tour manager for 15 years for Drive-By Truckers. What? So I've known him for so long. So I get to say hi to him, and then we've met new new people along the way. And so I I just think that we're going to go a long way once we show that... Not only are we booking these things, but we mm-hmm. do want to be there, and we are prideful of these shows, and we want to show that promoter that congratulations. Yes. We want to see it. I want to see the 2,500 people yeah. screaming as That's loud as crazy. they can. It's a team effort, for sure. Right. Just think in the music industry, everyone thinks it starts when the band gets there. There is so much to it. Oh, yeah. There are so many weeks and months and contracts and everything you can't even imagine before they actually get to that venue. Mm-hmm. And that's why when people go, oh, I want to be a talent buyer. Or, oh, I want to be in the music industry. It's not a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You just don't clock out at five and then you're done. You could have 12 hour days, you could have 14 hour days. It just depends. But especially in the beginning
0: Gypsy snoring guys. Yeah,
2: yeah that's, that's not me snoring. That's not Johnny snoring. Yeah, um, but that's the whole thing is, is that you just got to be so on top of it. It's great that people are music lovers, mm-hmm. and that's that's wonderful. We all we all are, and we all should be if we want to get in the music industry. But there's a lot more organization and just, you know, being one step ahead and -hmm. kind of thinking about this and having lists and just figuring everything out because we are on the business side, right? Right. So it is a business. A good segue just for anyone that's listening that's young and coming up, I do believe That you don't necessarily have to be in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. or New York or Nashville. That Mm -hmm. there are plenty of opportunities. There's so many cities, not even Live Nation that we're talking about. There's just so many music venues Mm -hmm. in secondary markets. Birmingham and Charlotte and, you know, Madison, Wisconsin. Salt Lake City, I mean, Memphis, Tennessee. That's why I just don't want people like, oh, I, I didn't get a job because when he was just saying it took two months for mm-hmm. Riverside to call him back, it, it sometimes takes a minute. Like Johnny was saying, too, is that he did a couple of jobs at the House of Blues. He mm-hmm. did box office and then a busser. Right. And when I started, you know, I didn't start as a talent buyer. I started as answering the phones and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Even my boss, who's high, high up, at Live Nation, he parked cars at an amphitheater under the umbrella of Live Nation. So he's been with Live Nation for many, many years, too. And I just love the stories of people saying they worked in the mailroom at mm-hmm. William Morris, or they did this. I mean, everyone has to start somewhere, so don't be discouraged But just get in because once you get in and once they see you, like how they saw Johnny and they just kept moving him up, everybody at any company wants to hire within. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to do. You don't want to have to go outside because Mm -hmm. the the people that are working there already know the system Mm -hmm. and kind of the politics. So that's the point. If you love a company, a booking agent, a management company, just get in any way you can and just say, yes, yes, I can do this. Yes, I will learn how to do this. Even if you don't know it, you will learn. Mm-hmm. And just like Johnny was saying, yeah, there was a couple years that it was rough. Mm-hmm. But instead of just getting upset and feeling discouraged and quitting because he doesn't think he's good enough, mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm going to learn this. He was tough. You right. know, And you got to be tough. Show business is not for everyone or everybody would be in our industry. And you just have to realize it's not easy and no one's going to give you huge breaks if you don't deserve it.
0: So would it be helpful if, let's say, you want to work in Los Angeles or Nashville to already be in that city um when applying for the job because do you think you'd be passed up by somebody else who's already working or living in that city do you think it I matters I do think that
2: they pick people yeah. that live there because if you're talking about like if you're going to be a marketer or even a junior buyer or mm-hmm. any of that they want you to know your town right of course so if you don't live there how are you going to know where you know even if you were putting up posters you wouldn't even know where to put up posters mm-hmm. or even like the local scene mm-hmm. right so I do think it's important. It's not It's not necessary because people right now, after the COVID thing and right. people did leave the music industry because they got furloughed for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they had to go into another industry. Maybe they went back to school. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's more opportunities to go everywhere mm-hmm. because every, because they're just starving for people to work. That's why... I tell any of the graduates, there are jobs right now. Starting in the box office, that is like a coveted spot because then you learn mm-hmm. that part of it, which is so important. The, the ticketing is the most important thing mm-hmm. in our industry, basically. So if you do that for one or two years, man, that will set you up for so much else, you know, in our industry. It's all about your name Mm -hmm. and getting your name out there. And so if you're just dabbling in different little things, it's like you will always have a job. Right. So if one goes away, it's going to be fine if you have a stellar reputation.
0: A good follow-up question to what you've been talking about. What do you think are good characteristics of somebody who wants to work within this industry? Like I remember you talking about having a really good work ethic, not being discouraged when you get yelled at or something doesn't go your way to continue to not quit like how do you keep yourself moving forward in doing that and what are other good characteristics to have in order to be successful in this industry
1: the most important i think two actually one is honesty Mm -hmm. and to go hand in hand with that it was transparency like if something happens you have to be honest if you messed up if something happens somebody else messed up Mm -hmm. you have to communicate that with the managers whoever's world it hits cuz if you're going to hide something it's just going to blow up in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're transparent and you're honest about what happened and you you know, you tell whoever whoever it is or multiple people, you know, I'm so sorry I messed up. This is what happened. And also come up with a solution. This, this is how we can fix it. Mm-hmm. That'll get you a lot of places because if you're dishonest and you're hiding things and you're not being completely transparent with the uh, the folks you work around, then I think that will breed contempt and you know, mm-hmm. people are not going to want to work with you anymore. I think being kind is another one, too, because if you're working with a lot of people and you you rough up some feathers and you act out, it's going to make your job harder and people are not going to work with you. You have to have thick skin, for sure, to be in the industry, but that doesn't dish what you get. Mm -hmm. So if people are rude and mean to you, that doesn't mean because you have thick skin, you're rude and mean back. It's just better to be calm and just be nice with whatever happens and just figure out whatever you need to figure out. Come up with solutions. I know your job. Yeah, definitely know your job. Uh, yeah, I know your job. I know I mentioned that I was given a lot of chances mm-hmm. when I first started, and that, that was probably just a very rare occasion <laughs> where that's where that happens. But I did start from the bottom up, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes you get people that are just thrown into it, or th- mm-hmm. are just you know they get somehow they know something and they get the job. But it's very important. Valina's is absolutely right to, to know how to do your job.
2: Like, you just got your job, and so we have this thing called Rome that we're supposed to know that's kind of the the mecca. It's the brain for operations. I mean, everybody looks at this, so that's the template. They're not going to ask you the deal. They look at Rome, and they see what you're supposed to do. And the point is, not everybody's going to know it in the beginning, but if this is something like we're talking about, learn it. Figure it out and or excel or any of this stuff it's Mm -hmm. really important because they're not expecting you in the beginning to be experts Mm -hmm. but once they tell you what your responsibilities are then do your best at knowing that Mm -hmm. because that's why you're there in the
0: first place what made you want to work at live nation what was it that you saw in the company
1: that's a good question the way i got my live nation internship it was just by chance the internship just kind of fell into my lap when i was in college My neighbor's friend's daughter Mm -hmm. was (laughs) a talent buyer for Live Nation. It just so happened that my mom was talking to my neighbor, Mm -hmm. and my neighbor mentioned it to her daughter, and her daughter mentioned it to her friend, and Mm -hmm. she was like, well, we need some help. Why don't you tell him to come do an interview with me? So I did the interview, and they just gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And my heart wasn't like set on that internship. I really actually wanted to be in a recording studio and learn how to do sound. But working with folks that at the top of their game being presidents, huge talent buyers, with just so much knowledge, and just watching them work. You know, they still had fun up in the office, which, mm-hmm. you, you know, you would think at a headquarter, you know, it'd just be really serious and quiet there. Mm-hmm. But they were joking and laughing. I used to go have lunch with presidents. One of the Latin touring guys we work with all the time, him and I used to have lunch, and he's such a nice guy, and he's mm-hmm. a very smart man. And now I get to work with him, like, not an equal yeah. level, but, at you know, a similar yeah. level. So it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. going from an intern all the way to being here, where I'm talking to, you know, my old general manager is now a VP. And he he called me for advice. And he's he's called me to talk about how he can help me and what we need to do to reach a, same, a similar goal. And watching the folks at Live Nation, and just how smart they were, and just how they grew, and hearing their stories of getting to where they're at now, I just knew I wanted to be there at some point. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to get there. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. But I knew I wanted to be smart to the point where I got there and I knew the business and I, I can't say I'm there yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. And I, I hope one day I can be a VP and, you know, be at, at that level. But
2: you will. And I would say about live nation or any of these big companies is mm-hmm. there is places to grow mm-hmm. where there's smaller places. It's very hard to grow. Mm-hmm. So as much as they would love to have you grow, there's just no spots. Mm-hmm. Well, in live nation, it's global. Who knows for Johnny in three years, where he could be they mm-hmm. might tell him like listen we need you in Australia we need to do the same thing that you've been doing in America now you needed to do it abroad who knows mm-hmm. right that's the possibility that he has when people are listening to this, that's what they should be thinking about when Mm -hmm. they are going working at companies. Can they grow? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be stuck just in as assistants? Because Mm -hmm. remember, in our Women Who Rock, remember, I don't want y'all just to be assistants. I want y'all to move on Mm -hmm. to be real salary positions. You have to start as an assistant. I had to too. Mm -hmm. So did he. But you don't have to stay there.
0: Another fault question to that is you've talked about all the people that you work with. I'm thinking specifically of promoters. Could you guys tell me who are your favorite people that you've worked with within the company and their roles? And yeah, just go into that. Talk about that. Yeah. You're smiling. So I'm really excited. To hear oh my this God. Answer. I've had
1: such, <laughs> I've worked with so many good people. When I first became assistant and it was, it was new and you know, it was, it was hard. The reason I think I stuck around with it, you know, I don't think I ever had the thought of quitting, but I did have really good mentors. My first example of somebody that I worked with would be my general manager. And if he ever listens to this, Amir, thank you for everything. Um, (laughs) He's the one that gave me the opportunity, you know, and I was box office for almost four years. And, you know, I I probably had the thought of, I feel kind of stuck, but I, Mm -hmm. you know, like Felina said, I didn't give up. I stayed because I knew I wanted to to be in the industry. And so the general manager saw that. He actually told me that when I had my interview with him, he gave me the opportunity to try and book shows. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a lot of leash. He didn't micromanage me, which I do appreciate. He gave me a lot of of assistance when i needed it i Mm -hmm. asked a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and he was never super harsh with me he was firm and he was fair which i think was a really good quality he had and he was always good to me until he left because he got a better opportunity and that was a really sad day when he left Mm -hmm. he was such a great general manager when he left we had my other general manager sean and also sean if you're listening to this thank you as well uh (laughs) he is now a vp for live nation oh wow he was a very firm man. He definitely knew what he wanted, mm-hmm. and he wanted it executed a certain way. He was a very well seasoned man. I was three years in, so I knew a good amount, but I didn't know everything. Uh, so I had to learn my organizational skills, and I'm still learning. But you know, some things fell through the cracks, and he would be like, "How did this happen? Why?" It was a rough conversation we used to have, but I was transparent. and I told him exactly what happened mm-hmm. when things fell through the cracks, and I, I messed up something. I would tell him. I was very honest with him and he was honest with me. We would have long conversations on certain nights after shows. We would sit in the office for an hour or two and he would give me a lot of information on how he thought things should run. And he would actually try to help me with my career too. He actually did try to get me a job with rentals years ago. And I think that's probably how my reputation kind of like came about because he said really nice things and did try to get me a job. After he left, we had a different general manager. She wasn't a mentor to me, but she gave me a lot of leash. That's when I really took reins on everything. I was responsible for the rental budget, for the co-pros and fillers, and I did, I did a lot. She just kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do, mm-hmm. which was also a good experience because then I, I kind of was able to be creative on certain events, and there was a lot of trust, so mm-hmm. I didn't really have anybody telling me what to do. I just did it, and that had its own set of fulfillment because I just felt responsible for it. Like, I did hit my budget. and I did everything I needed to do so at that point in my life you know with the general managers trusting me and then even my buyer who is still my buyer today he mentored me too in Rome he would tell me a little bit about talent I, I knew him from when I was working as a, a ticket seller at House of Blues so I've known him for almost 10 years which is crazy to think about but he is a very calculated man and so everything I would build in Rome that was kind of on the more promoted side he would check it and he would watch my numbers and he would ask me about how it's going but he was patient with me too because it's he has a lot of venues. He was always straight up with me. Even if it was harsh, mm-hmm. he would definitely give me the whole truth. Of course, it might not be the thing I want to hear, but it was definitely the thing I needed to hear on whether what I want to do is it's not going to work. But sometimes he'd still let me do it. And he, he would let me try it out. Again, mm-hmm. another blessing of being in Riverside is there was a lot of room to grow and a lot of forgiveness uh, in that market. And there was a lot of communication. You know, Everybody was really honest with each other. All the managers were, were very honest. So that, that was really helpful, and that's why I say it's a really good quality and an important quality to have being in this business. Just circle back to the question. Amir, Sean, my talent buyer, were probably the biggest influences in my life as far as, like, mentorship. No. Until now, Valina's yeah. going to be the biggest opportunity. <laughs> Until now. Until yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> this has been a humongous opportunity. It, it feels like a huge jump, to be honest. To go from, you know, two venues to essentially, not all of them, but a lot of them, It's something I didn't ever think I would do on the national side of things. I definitely for sure wanted to do something, you know, in California, but I did not think I'd be touching this many venues and talk to this many people within the company and outside. So thank you to Amir and Sean, all the buyers and everybody I've I've talked to that helped me along the way. And it's gotten me to this point that I'm at now. And of course, it's still a long road ahead, but, you know, I'm here now. and I'm just really, really grateful to be here.
0: And then I have a slightly different question for you, Valina, if you could tell me what it's been like having been a mentor for so many different people throughout your career
2: I started hiring interns Mm -hmm. for the 40 watt I've had hundreds of interns now over my 31 year career but I hope wherever they've been and all of them are all over the place right now they're either in our industry or was in our industry my goal has been for the last at least I don't know, 10 years, is I like looking at a map of the United States and seeing where all my people are Mm -hmm. because they truly are all over. And I've got, you know, booking agents, management companies Mm -hmm. uh, everywhere. And it just makes me, A, proud, but also I can just call them and go, hey, when is Parquet Courts playing? When are Mm -hmm. they routed? Because they're all working at these, you know, major booking agents now. Just like it's really been interesting to see all my friends – do very well and that's what I want because I want our industry to stay strong and mm-hmm. I feel like if I can kind of raise these people to be really good employees loving what they do mm-hmm. but just like you are saying about being fair and honest so I want our, our industry to be strong and I want it to be fair
0: I know whoever you hire whoever you put forward that they'll carry forward what you've taught me mm-hmm. and i've loved this opportunity and i just wanted to thank you for everything because you're probably like the coolest person i think i could have ever worked for <laughs> And i don't think i've ever told you so i just yeah, want you no, to know you that really it's so cool to watch you because i feel like you're you just you carry yourself in such a professional cool way and i just would love to be that you know well you, will be. Line, you yeah. will
2: be you will be Because that's, yeah, no, you will be because I I want you to be, right? Yes, ma'am. Ordaining you do that and go out in life. And that's the thing is some of people that have worked for me end up not staying in our industry because Mm -hmm. it is hard and it is grueling, right? And they do Mm -hmm. it for five years and then they'll call me and say, hey, man, I'm going to do something else. And I have no problem with that because Mm -hmm. I feel like the life lessons that we all learn from each other, because I learn all the time as well is that just being good people. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you're doing and you know, whatever business you're in, mm-hmm. I just want you to be a strong, positive, mm-hmm. independent thinker and just being the best out here because we only have one life. You don't get a second chance. Mm-hmm. I love hearing about other people doing other things because mm-hmm. I find it interesting. I'm not going to blow you off just because you're not in our industry. But I, I do love hearing when they leave me mm-hmm. or leave Athens, like what, what are you doing and what have you learned? Mm-hmm. Because then you can come back to the people here and kind of tell us you know the the good and the bad about right. what's going on
0: i'll stop the questions now because i've asked a million and you guys were so great and i'm just so thankful that you'd want to be on here and do this with me and yeah. and just it was so cool to learn more in depth about what y'all do and i hope everybody else can learn something from this we've talked about so much and did so many helpful things that will help people who are like me just about to enter this yeah. workforce and and what to what to do what not to do going forward so and, and you guys are just awesome people in general so oh, i'm yeah. glad everybody gets to hear about you yeah
2: yeah i would just say apply 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 mm-hmm. just keep applying for all kinds of things and don't get discouraged and have your little side hustle jobs mm-hmm. and just kind of wait yeah, yeah and then once you get it that's why i say just learn it write down what you're supposed to know and just go i'm going to figure this out or i will get someone to help me Mm
0: -hmm. thank you guys so much i again i'm going to mention gypsy because you could hear her in the background and i wish uh she could say something too but she's fast asleep (laughs) thank you (laughs) and stay tuned for next week's episode where i interview sarah moots a musician here in athens georgia we talk about her career her first album coming out And her new single called Something as well as her plans for the future and a lot of really cool stuff. So tune in for next week. Thanks, guys.